point is na bomb sa Good luck. You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day, I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there. It said, be curious, not judgmental. And I like that. So I get back in my car, and I'm driving to work. And all of a sudden, it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them were curious. You know, they thought they had everything all figured out, and so they judged everything, and they judged everyone. And I realized that they're underestimating me. Who I was had nothing to do with it. Because <laughs> if they were curious, they would ask questions, you know? Questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? Which I would have answered, yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 to I was 16 when he passed away. Barbecue sauce. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dave. Thanks for joining Bob and I for our podcast, Thriving in Dystopia. And even though we always try and be professionals, sometimes we swear. So just know that going in. Carry on my wayward son. You know this one, Dave. Oh, I know it. <laughs> There'll be something when you are gone. Get it going, Bob. Don't you cry no more. Dave, it's, it's almost November. Dang, that feels wild, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Do you um, associate that song with uh, CU Basketball? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do they, are they playing this November? Yeah, they are. I think they get a game the first week. Nice. Yeah. It's funny how there's like these songs that get pushed into our mind and they just like bring us to a place, you know? Yeah. Kansas will always be associated with the Coors Event Center. Yeah. Uh, What'd we call it? The keg? Yeah. The the big inflatable keg. (laughs) The big inflatable keg. Well, Bob, yeah. You got a Halloween costume lined up? Yeah, I do. I'm going to be a participant in Squid Game. <laughs> oh, participant. Yep. Just a, do, a nice little green jumper. Yeah. Is it, uh, do you have like, uh, what are the people called? A conductor of the Squid Games? Are you partner costuming it? Oh, um, no, I don't think so. You mean like one of the guards who's dressed in pink? Like, Pink, yeah. Pink triangles and squares and stuff. <laughs> PlayStation controllers. Yeah. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. Have you seen it? No. Is it good? Yeah, it is good. Oh, man. Necessary, necessary material for any host of a dystopian podcast, I would say. 
Oh yeah. I mean, it's on my list shortly, shortly I'll be watching it, but got to get through Ted Lasso first, you know? Oh, decisions were made and Ted Lasso was chosen. Ted, Ted was chosen. Yeah. I feel like squid game is like, it's funny how it is. It's like pervasive in the culture. Like squid game definitely took over TikTok, and now all of a sudden um, kids are playing red light, green light again, which is kind of funny. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's the biggest show in Netflix history. Oh, is that true? It is. Yeah. By a long shot. Yeah. It destroyed Bridgerton, Dave. I'm sorry. I know <laughs> you're a Bridgerton guy, but I thought it was Queen's Gambit. I think maybe that was pre Bridgerton. Whoa. Bridgerton. I didn't even realize <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Remember when uh, we used to play predictions as our final game to the show? Did anyone predict Squid Game would be, or some show from South Korea being the biggest Netflix show of all time? Yeah. I think Harris did. Yeah. It was Harris. Good on you, Harris. Good on you. I'm going to be a cactus. Oh, nice. Yeah. Although I was thinking of dressing up as a character from Ted Lasso, which <laughs> coincidentally would also be a jumpsuit. <laughs> Oh, good. Maybe you should reconsider that one. Assistant coach, Coach Beard in a jumpsuit and advisor. You get a number and I get a visor. That's right. <laughs> That'd be pretty good to go as a, a participant in Squid Game and an assistant coach from Ted Lasso. Oh, man. We finally got it, Dave. Uh, finally, <laughs> our perfect pairing. What do you think Amen. our best Halloween costume combo back in the day was? Gosh. My, you know, from childhood, all I can ever remember dressing up as was the Grim Reaper and Indiana Jones. Uh, yes. I remember you did that both. And I think I did both of them as well. <laughs> Maybe the next year or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is like classic recycle the costumes. Um, yeah, I don't know. We then, you know, through high school, I don't think we really dressed up much. My last costume I can remember as a child was a bumblebee. Um, and then once we got to college, I remember you were always like characters from movies, like um, kind of obscure 80s references, right? Oh, I don't know if they were that obscure. I mean, yeah, Robert Smith not. one year and then 90s reference, uh, Mark Renton from Trainspotting. <laughs> Life shit. No, that's not it. What is life? Choose life. Choose life. Choose life. Oh my gosh. Life shit. <laughs> Choose life. You know, in the American version of train spotting, they had to like make the Scottish accent less so for the first 15 minutes of the movie. Oh, I believe that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is, this is a, a pop culture reference for Zitzman. Um, yeah, so they, and all the actors from the movie um, ended up hating the fact that they got their like Scottish accent, like dumbed down or like clarified, you know, but yeah. it was only the first 15 minutes. That's interesting. Yeah. If you read the book, the different chapters are through the eyes of the different characters and mm. both Spud and Begbie's chapters are just incomprehensible unless you're <laughs> Scottish. Oh, interesting. That's so good. You never saw train spotting too, did you Bob? No, I did. Yeah, I saw it. I had to. Yeah. It was, it was pretty good from what I heard. It was all right. It was a departure yeah. from the book. Um, I think I'm glad it happened and it was definitely entertaining. Yeah. But I, I, I read the book, the, the sequel to train spotting is called porno. And 
the script was quite a bit different. So that was a little disappointing. Yeah. I think Train Spotting 2 is actually based on a, the sequel to Porno, though. Oh, my God. There's a third one. I didn't even realize yeah. that. On the topic of British media and a through line from the last episode, have you caught yourself up on Great British bake, Baking Show? No, but thanks for thanks for bringing it up. I haven't seen a single episode. I saw the the first 15 seconds of episode one. And then, <laughs> yeah, we we've just been getting destroyed on our TV watching. It's hard. Yeah, basically the only thing we've watched is Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Ted Lasso in the past few weeks. Good stuff, Dave. Yeah, it's been fine. Although I do love that in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, President Camacho is a big character. Oh, that's and right. Yeah. Terry Crews. Yep. Uh, he is uh, not that much fun to watch, but uh, anyway, I don't know. The show's fine. Well, Bob, we got to... We got more questions. Oh, I did I ever tell you? Oh yeah, I'm a cactus. Um, we got to get on with it a little bit. I'm feeling like, let's get into it. We, we spent a whole week last week just chit-chatting. Yeah, we did. Yeah. The fans have had enough. They want, they want themes. They want overarching Content. themes. Content. <laughs> um, yeah, I doubt any of that's true. But I was thinking maybe I can explain the revolutionary love compass. And then you can correct me. Does that feel okay to you? Yeah. Yeah. This is, um, come to, came to us through Valerie Cower's work. So yeah, please go ahead, Dave. Yeah. How do you, how do you say her name? Kaur? No, it's it's like Kaur. Kaur. K-A-U-R. Well, let me ask you before I even get going, how did you find out about this? Um, I, I've seen her name in like progressive social movements for a while now. And Mm -hmm. I listened to a podcast that I mentioned on the show in the wild where the host interviews her and yeah, she just went over the revolutionary love ideas. And I thought, yeah, this is great. This is similar to what Dave and I talk about. So could help us frame a season potentially. Yeah. And I'd never heard about it. You sent me a text this week. Um, and yeah, I think like just a little background, I like, I did a little research cause I was like, who is this person? She did a Ted talk, which kind of like was one of the things that blew her up a little bit. Um, and I'm sure you'll link it to the show notes. It's like, it's called like the three lessons of revolutionary love in a time of rage or something to that effect. Um, and it looks like she came out with a book recently and she also made a film long before either of those two things called divided we fall. Um, and yeah, I found, I watched most of her Ted talk, not all, but most. And, uh, she's a great speaker and quite, quite interesting to watch. So I feel like that Ted talk is worth, worth it all. You know what I mean? Um, and it just felt like a fun theme to sort of push this season towards what season are we on Bob? Oh man. I would say seven. I think we're going into seven. Okay. Yeah. That, that seems about right. Eight times, eight times seven is 56, right? So right around there. Um, yeah. And she breaks up the love, the revolutionary love 
compass into, did I call it a triangle? I probably did, but she breaks it up into three parts, which is loving ourselves, loving others and loving opponents. And yeah, I feel like we're going to go through and talk about how we get from loving others and which is the inner circle, like where it all begins and loving opponents and then loving ourselves. And then we're going to push out towards the outer circles and how we transition into that. And we decided we're going to start with loving others, right, Bob? Yeah, we did because that's where her, her like teaching materials start on, on loving others. Mm -hmm. And she has like sort of, subheadings for each one of these categories which for loving others it's see no strangers and i think that's the title of her first the book that came out last year that's right and then for loving opponents it's called tend the wound and for loving ourselves it's called breathe and push which um i think see no stranger and tend the wound both make a lot of sense to me but breathe and push um, I didn't really dive into that very much. And I'm so it, it doesn't inherently make me be like, huh, that's what we need to do to love ourselves. Um, I can uh, comment on that. Yeah, go. Yeah. Like um, when seeing yourself as like a change maker, it's um, it's about the rhythm, like, and sometimes it's important to push yourself and expand and um, grow, but then sometimes it's totally valid to um, breathe and like recover, tend to yourself. So it's trying to get that rhythm instead of just like always pushing, which will lead to burnout or mm. always maybe breathing is like, then you don't get into action. So I think that's like, encouraging us to, to not, not burn out. Yeah. I guess I, I guess I can see that then for sure. I I'll also break down how we're going to go about it. So, um, we're this week, we're going to talk about the inner circle, like where we begin with loving others, which is the concept of wonder. And, um, during the, the nine or 10 weeks that we do this season, we're going to go through each section and I might as well say the sections if that's all right, Bob. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So for others, it's first you wonder, then you grieve, then you fight. For opponents, first you rage, then you listen, then you reimagine. And for loving ourselves, first you breathe, then you push, then you transition. And I guess among all this, there's a 10th, um, what would we call it? Uh, strategy or a 10th idea, which is the idea through all this, you can reach this. I mean, you need it throughout and you also reach this at the end, which is the idea of joy. And um, through this revolutionary love practice, you can, um, yeah, you need joy and you reach joy, which I like. Um, but yeah, did I miss anything there? No, I think you got it. Yeah. just. I'll clarify for our, our listeners just once again. So these three points on the triangle or the compass around loving ourselves, loving others, loving our opponents, and then the three levels of each of those, the inner levels 
which we're starting with wonder. That's the inner level of loving others. Um, and yeah, we're going to work our way out to the outer levels, which I kind of feel like is both bigger, like in society, you work yourself out, but also just in development. Like we will, for example, like transform the rage that we have towards our opponents to reimagining, you know, the relationship we have with our opponents. So yeah. And we'll, we'll sh- she has like this great map on her website and we'll send a link out to that as well. Yeah. Which is great and quite lovely. And maybe we can even use it as our thumbnail for the, um, as I publish, if I can remember, because there's no reason not to have this be our thumbnail for the next few weeks. Um, and there's also a great like learning guide on her website. And I'm going to ask you some of the, we're going to ask some of the questions that come up for each of the nine different lessons or 10, I guess, in general. Um, and, you know, because there's, you know, a definition, questions, reflection, and ways to practice each of these. Um, yeah. So I guess it's going to be kind of a learning experience for us, you know? Um, and yeah, I guess I'm kind of excited about that because I feel like, that's what this show tends to do when we're at, we're be- when we're at our best, we're going through and examining ourselves. <clears throat> and I think when we're at our worst, we're just talking about sports, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think let's get, let's get after wonder a little bit. And <clears throat> can I ask you the first guiding question, Bob? Yeah, you can. <clears throat> um, well, I'll just read a quick definition for wonder and then I'll ask you a guiding question. The definition is to wonder is to cultivate a sense of awe and openness to others' thoughts and experiences, their pain, their wants and their needs. Just to look upon the face and say, you are a part of me and I do not know that I do not know yet. And the first question, Bob, is what is your first memory of feeling wonderstruck? Yeah, I remember feeling wonderstruck a lot when I was young and really enjoying that feeling. Um, I can remember it like going to preschool, uh, Montessori, Boulder Montessori school and feeling wonder for that, what was going on there and the people and the kids there. And I remember that main room, the playroom. And they had like a lot of different stations. And so, yeah, that whole place filled me with wonder, I would say. And those were some of my first memories of feeling wonder. I really feel grateful for that place. Hmm. Yeah, it definitely resonates with me. That idea that when we're kids, we are often in a moment of wondering. Um. Yeah. The only memory that I can, that is coming up for me about being young and wonderstruck is I remember my soccer coach, coach Ted Manji. Remember that guy? Yeah. He was a good coach. Yeah. I would love to see that guy again. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I felt like he was like ancient, like he was like 40, but he might've only been like 19 years old or a young buck, you know? Yeah. I remember, I remember, 
And I'm sure most kids have this memory of like when an adult kicks a ball, like an adult that can actually do something, it's just like mind boggling. And I remember coach Manji took the ball and just booted it as far as he could. And we all were just like jumping up and down. It's like, holy shit. One day I'm going to be able to do that. Um, and I still love doing that as an adult. I love when I get, get a ball, like a football or a soccer ball and I just boot it so far. It makes kids go crazy. <laughs> but yeah, it kind of leads to the next question, which is one that we both thought about a little bit more ahead of time, which was the last time you felt wonder. And maybe you could answer that question, Bubbo. Yeah. It's a question that like made me think about the pandemic and when we were very sheltering in place. I'm sure I was still feeling wonder, but I think that was a thing that really was hurting for me. Like, um, I tend to connect wonder with like the unknown or the spontaneous and things that could come out of nowhere and like hardcore sheltering in place and all that. And like lack of sort of meeting new people or seeing people or going to new events. I think my wonder meter was low and um, coming back to teach on campus. I think it has gone up again. And so I could say that I felt wonder recently this week on Thursday when I went to a demonstration organized by my union, union of lecturers at the basic campus. And I just felt like very open. I was there and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go and see what happens. I'm a little bit nervous because I haven't been to a demonstration in forever, but I went and it was just lovely. Just like all, all these lecturers just coming up to each other and seeing how each other are. And I'd say the, the most wonder, wondrous part was like, I was just standing there holding the sign and this other person comes up to me, strikes up a conversation and we're talking and he's like this lecturer in the chemistry department has been there for 11 years and was telling me about his experiences and, um, sort of the ups and downs with being a lecturer. And that filled me with wonder, like in the sense, like, yeah, I'm just so, so interested in hearing your experience, um, about being a lecturer at UCSC for 10 plus years in like the STEM fields. Um, so I was just like really into his story and, you know, that's not something I ever planned on, you know, it just kind of happened and, and I would have never predicted it. So, um, yeah, and I feel like more of a connection with that person. You know, if I ever see him on campus, I don't recognize him, but if I do, it'll be nice to, um, have, have something to go off of there. And I think it connects to, um, Valerie Cowher's point on like, because this is love for others, you know, and just, I was really interested in his story, just, just, just for who he is. And, um, I think in that moment, I think unwittingly, I was probably practicing love, love for him or love for other. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll end it there and ask you the same question, Dave. Yeah, I feel like 
the idea of wonder is something that you got to kind of be open to, right? It's like that child, like we often associate like wonderstruck or um, full of awe is like that idea of like being a child and you're, you're just like, oh my God, like this is what a pineapple tastes like. I can't imagine like you cut this open and it's just like mind boggling. Um, I oftentimes think about how I don't remember the first time I tried pineapple and I'm kind of sad about that. I kind of want to never give my kids pineapple until like they're like seven, you know, so that they can like taste and be like, holy shit, like that spiky, weird, like thing. And then you open it up and it's just like powerful and amazing. <laughs> um, but then they'll probably be allergic and <laughs> have to take them to the hospital. No, I don't know. But um, yeah, I, it's, it's definitely like the moments that I've been most um, like struck by wonders, like when I'm trying new fruits um, while traveling, for sure. Like there's a fruit that uh, we tried in Costa Rica for the first time. I think Zitzman got it for us and it's called Wanabana. And it's kind of like eating a, like a starboard or like a Laffy Taffy chicken. Um, it's pretty amazing. And Did you just say Laffy Taffy chicken? Yeah. 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 I, th- I think anyone that's had Wanabana will be totally on board with that thing. The, the white flavor of Laffy Taffy. <laughs> uh, I think that's just mystery, but maybe it's a blue raspberry. Anyway, it's a Laffy Taffy chicken. Oh man. It's incredible. Um, yeah, but yeah, I wish that I was a little bit more open to wonder because oftentimes I think that that's an important mind frame to be in. And most recently, the the moment of wonder that I felt was I, Julie and I went to a place called the CSU Gardens or something. CSU. Yeah, I think it's called the CSU Gardens. Um, they have all these beautiful flowers growing and it's like a nice place. We went there for our anniversary <clears throat> and there's this one type of plant called a coleus that I've always called a calemma. And um, they had all these beautiful ones growing and I took snippings of a few and it's a really cool, I mean, most, a lot of plants do this, but like when you take a snipping of the top, it will like change the structure of the plant and it will start to send roots out of like the little nodes, which is like pretty incredible. So like I put the, the growing these like little snippings into a, like a hot sauce bottle and over the course of like two weeks, we, all these roots just started to grow out of the plant, which is crazy. Cause like, I don't know, it just feels like a, a way for plants to thrive. And it's just like, dang, like what an, uh, what a, what a wonderful thing for a plant to be able to do to just like change its like stem cells and go from like stem to root to like create life. Yeah. So it kind of blew, blows my mind and it was like really cool to see that and made me really happy. And I just up potted them yesterday and put them in soil. So I got some, some little Collins growing Colin. <laughs> I noticed uh, two of your examples are this, this one is plants and the previous one was fruits. And I think that's excellent. You know, I think the natural world is filled with wonder. And I think it is crucial that we have wonder. Like I think she is talking about, like we need wonder for the natural world. 
mm-hmm. would you think about taking that for wonder for the social world? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because I want to like, oftentimes as like a teacher, you get to watch these like moments of like little kids, like going, like I described, like kicking the ball, but like, you know, teaching a kid how to do multiplication and watching it click is like a pretty cool thing to do. You know? Um, I feel like there's a lot of like watching, like learning happening is like probably the coolest thing to do. Um, yeah. And, but I think a lot of times I'm a little bit closed off to that in the classroom. So I think I need to bring that into me, like as a teacher to watch and wonder about these kids and like be inquisitive rather than like, feel like I know, you know what I mean? Cause these kids are like doing this learning. I don't know. So maybe that doesn't quite answer your question, but I it feel does, like it does get I there. Need, yeah. Yeah. Reading what um, she's writing about this in her guide. She says that, like you said before, this is about the see no stranger part. And so like, that we don't see other people as strangers, but more just like people we haven't met yet. Or, um, she's really interested in like how, like having us stoke our curiosity for other people's stories. I think I noticed, I I think that's just happens to be one of my strengths that I just, Mm -hmm. somehow I just naturally bring other people's stories out. Um, like that guy at the, the demonstration. Um, I don't even know how I do it, but, I think, I think that's a struggle for other people. And I wonder if you can comment on that. Like, do you find it hard to hear other people's stories? Yeah. Right. No, I mean, that's a good point. And like the idea of like, we, we, um, we kind of lose something when we don't open ourselves up to that. Like there's a sense of not being vulnerable. Right. And I'm sure like when we get to the part about grief like that, there's a lot of vulnerability in grief. Um, so I think we need to like practicing wonder is even a sense of being vulnerable, being open to like hearing other people's stories. I definitely like, she talks about different ways to practice wonder, but I also feel like, yeah, it definitely comes natural to myself as well. Um, but I think it's like the simple step of just like, this like curiosity, like, I wonder who this Mm -hmm. person is. And like, I'm going to ask them questions and like, yes, it's, it's kind of low stakes vulnerability, right. To be like, who are you? Tell me about yourself because most people just want to talk about themselves anyways. Right. Um, I think sometimes, yeah, I think that's the thing. I think also some people are like very nervous about talking about themselves. You know, like I could see some people being like, Hey, why is this person asking me all these personal questions? Mm-hmm. So I think it's a combination. I think some people are really interested in talking about themselves and other people will never, or will really don't want to do it. So yeah, I guess it's like sort of understanding the difference as well, you know, and not being like overly invasive because I think she also talks about, um, something about like, why is this person asking me all these questions or something like that? Um, Oh yeah. Like we ask ourselves, it's not my place. Like when we're wondering about other people, we're having to like deal with like, is it my place to listen to this person or inquire about this person? I think she's, she's pushing us to say yes. 
that like, because uh, we're all interconnected. Um, but sorry. Yeah. I cut you off there, Dave. No, no, I'm with you that. Yeah. I guess I don't have a whole lot more to add to it. Just the fact that like, there's a lot of importance and we could all gain a lot from that idea. It's like, yes, some people are going to be more closed off and that doesn't mean we should not that we should just give up and it's like, Oh, that person didn't want to talk. So let's move on to the next person because it's like taking the next step and being like, hi, I'm, I'm curious why this person feels like sort of gruff and like pushing me away and like wanting to make that extra connection or like why a person might be like so into talking about themselves and never asking you a question and like not being offended by that either, because that's another deflection of like how they've, navigated social situations. Um, because yeah, with, with it, you have to also have a lot of understanding and like compassion. We are very often wanting to just be like, yep, this is who this person is before we even talk to them. Right. So you have to be open to it. It's a good lesson and something that I, I mean, that we all need practice with myself included, you know? Yeah, we do. And like uh, the other one of the other big challenges to this is that we're all so overwhelmed with the world and our own needs right now that to like feel like, oh my God, I have to stoke curiosity for other people. Uh-oh. Did I lose you, Bob? Huh. Technical difficulties. I'll pause here. We'll come back with more uh, once I get Bob back on the line. Yikes. I could use a distraction right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Conway Twitty. Hello, darling. It's nice to see you. It's been a long time. You're just as lovely as you used to be. All right, Bob, we got you back. Let's get let's get you back where you were. What were you All saying? Right. Yeah, I was just saying that, yeah. Sometimes we have a big to-do list and it's hard to think about even, you know, stoking this curiosity for others. Um, but maybe even if we just do it just a little bit in a given day, I think it could be really good for us too. I know it was really good for me um, connecting with that person this week. So um, yeah. And then I just want to finish off saying you and I talked about this in different ways, but I think you're right, Dave. I think our next step for our next show should be the middle layer of um, love for others, which is grieving. Um, so I think that's where we should head to next and give a, a sign to our listeners that, you know, they could think about, um, first off, you know, creating wonder. And then for our next show, the questions of like grief and how does wonder and connecting to others lead to grieving, um, various levels of grief. Um, I don't have the, workbook up. Dave, do you, do you have any like things for our listeners to think about in terms of grief? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, we are sort of following, you know, um, her Valerie's, uh, steps, which is, I think is good. And I like that too. But, um, some questions are like, where do you notice the feeling of grief in your body? Why does your body need to be brave with this grief? Um, what have you not grieved with yet? And what do you need to be able to grieve with? Sorry. What do you need to do to be able to grieve with them? 
and I don't quite know who the them is, but um, I'm the other is sort of implicit there, you know, and we'll go through some of those questions, probably not all of them. And we'll talk about different, some different ways to practice them. And yeah, I think that feels really good too, because, um, you know, we're sitting about five days away from grief, a big grief moment in our life, which is, um, the passing of our dad, which is a nice moment. And this show will probably come out right around that time. So it's always, um, good to bring him into our life during this time. Don't you think bum? Yeah, really good. That seems just, um, faded that we would be talking about grief on the week that dad passed, um, nine years ago. Yeah. Crazy. Um, well, I'm going to give the coordinates and then we're going to play our game rather than the other way around. Uh, the coordinates are thriving underscore in underscore dystopia on Instagram, which hasn't been too active, Bob, just look in your direction. (laughs) Oh, Davey. Yep. Um, you can email me or us at DavePeachTree at gmail.com. We got a good email from one of my former students, um, Axel, good guy. And I need to email him back. He's been listening to the cast and brought it up at his circle. He's in high school now, ninth grade, which is mm. wild. Amazing. Yep. Um, what is it? Bmaze19 at Twitter, Dave Peachtree at TikTok. I just put my account to private, so you can't follow me anymore. You can you can request me if you need it. Uh, and did I miss anything, Bob? Oh, the website, thrivingindystopia.com. Okay. So we're going to play this game. It's called Stoneface. Uh, the idea behind this game is we're going to tell each other jokes and the first person to crack loses, I guess. Um, and we're going to go back and forth. Does that seem about right? It does. Yeah. And I don't know. We might only do this this week because who knows if it's worth it. But, um, (laughs) I just thought it'd be funny. I, to just tell each other jokes. You know what I mean? Uh, all right, Bob, do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Okay. A kid says to their dad, dad, did you get a haircut? And the dad says, no, I got all of them cut. Pretty good, Bob. Pretty good. All right. I have a question for you, Bob. Mm-hmm. How do you hide an elephant in the jungle? I don't know. You paint his balls red, and then you hide him in the top of a cherry tree. Next question. What is the loudest noise in the jungle? Cherries dropping. A giraffe eating cherries. (laughs) Got it, Oh, gotcha. Put it on the board. Put it on the board. Um... Did you have another one loaded, locked? Yeah, it'll have to be next week. Have to be next week. Sucker Um, for those cherry jokes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Bob. Well, love you so much, and we'll talk soon, okay? All right. Bye. Have a great week, Dave. What's up, Driving Crew? Bob and Dave want to take a second to thank you for lending them your ears. They also want to thank the artists for making everything a little more beautiful. 
The intro song is In Heaven by Drake Stafford. Our audio is edited by the consummate and dexterous Nadir Chayetch. Web design by Chris the Mixer Sawyer. And of course, visual art is by the prolific and enigmatic Joe Shine. The outro song to season 8 is Captain Jack by Kimaru Crew. Thanks for listening. Attack